Today on Ag News Daily. Started an Instagram account to try and meet other farm wives, other people that were relatable, had the same lifestyle as us, or that were also moms. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is Madison Honkamp here, joined by Mike Pearson and Delaney Howell for the Ag News Daily podcast. And how are you guys doing today? I am fantastic, Madison. Thank you so much for asking. There's so much going on in the world. There's so much going on in the markets today. We've got green on the screen, which we'll get to in just a little bit. But I tell you what, it is it is life, you know? Can't go wrong with it. Yeah, I guess. Right? I don't know. I'm trying to be positive. Delaney, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good, Mike. Doing pretty good. I'm ready for the weekend, that's for sure. All right. Yes. Yeah, we're here. We're at the weekend. It's hard to believe. I'm ready for it. Good for you. You got to be prepared for the weekend. <laughs> yes, especially after a holiday week. It's always hard to get back in the swing of things, you know? Mm, yeah. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. So, anyways. Right. There is news what? we've got to talk about, of course. And I will kick it off today with some... I know, big surprise, I'm going to talk about policy-related news because I like following that stuff. We saw yesterday the House Agricultural Committee lawmakers from both sides of the party basically issue their remarks to appropriators and those folks controlling the budget on Thursday that they need to provide the full funding for rural broadband programs that was authorized in the 2018 Farm Bill, arguing that The federal resources are critical to strengthening the economies of rural America, especially when using that precision ag technology. And so far, we have not really seen that follow through yet. But the Farm Bill did authorize $350 million in grants and loans targeted to improving that rural broadband and connectivity here over the next five years. And they're saying we need to get the ball rolling on this. We need to make this happen I know, Mike, you rely very heavily on your phone, which happens to be broken at the moment to get your your rural broadband and internet connection when you're at in Grinnell. Well, yeah. I, well, right. The problem is when I'm at home on the farm, my rural broadband connection is so terrible, I can't even do a gosh darn podcast. So I've got to use my phone, which, yes, you are correct. Listeners, um, I've got a piece of advice for you. I'm a strong supporter of Samsung devices. I have a Galaxy Note 8. I've had every Note except for the one that exploded, the 7, I think. And uh, I love them all. This phone has been submerged in water for two hours after my boat flipped over one time. And just last weekend, I was mowing the lawn and it fell out of my pocket. And I've got a zero turn mower and it dropped onto the mower deck and got wedged under the pulleys that drive the blades. And it has been completely decimated. But still kind of works. It's fantastic. I mean, it doesn't work great. Like I can't, it takes a very long time to send text messages. But I tell you what, if you use a phone a lot and like me, you never put a case on it because you're lazy and poor, Mm. I highly recommend the Galaxy Note 8. Well, Galaxy should have paid us for that whole little infomercial there. You you bet. I'll send them an invoice. I'll send them an invoice. You guys are right. They, They owe me a new phone. That's true. Like, you could probably get a new phone out of the deal if nothing else. Well, well, do you have like insurance or anything on it? Do yeah, I don't I know? Does Samsung offer thing like that? I'm gonna guess no. I, knowing Mike, probably, probably I always not. do, but I'm guessing when I bought this one, I think I've already used my insurance to get this phone, and I think you only mm. get one. 
Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, iPhones, because when, you know, iPhones, you get an Apple Care. Mike doesn't believe yeah, in never... Mac products, yeah. Madison. He's behind the times. I kind of got that vibe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not behind the times. I've just never owned an into, Apple like, device. The world. No. <laughs> I have. I've never had an iPod. I rock the mini disc player. Mm. I do all sorts of things. But no, I've. No Macs for you. No Ugh. iPod for me. No iPod for you. Of course not. Well, that is uh, my update. What do we have, uh, Delaney, or, or Madison, I guess? What is in the news of the day for you? Well, since we were talking a little bit about policy, I have some more um, news along those lines. So the Dietary Guidelines Advisory Committee met on Thursday to hear firsthand just how intense these diet wars, they say, have become. So they are they were holding hearings to... Uh, Um, find how they should update these dietary guidelines in 2020. Um, And there were, it, it seemed like it was a process. It was for three hours. They had a steady stream of commenters come up and tell the committee what they should do and what they should encourage for consumption and whatever, you know, is being sold. And there were a lot of, advocates for plant-based and low-carb diets, um, as well as kind of get, get cutting dairy out of diets. Um, so they uh. actually heard, <laughs> you know, they heard from 75 different people, and about a third of them were entangled, entangled in the intense debate about which diet is healthier, whether it's plant-based, carb-based, non-dairy, you know, all of that stuff. Um, So this will definitely be something that we are following to see how they update those guidelines. And again, those, these guidelines are meant for their government, again, guidelines that provide food-based recommendations to promote health, um, prevent diet-related chronic diseases, and meet nutrient needs that they have found. Well, I'm not excited about that. (laughs) I know. Well, you know what? Hey, listeners, I'm going to save you all some time. Whatever diet the government ends up recommending, don't even think about it. Don't even listen to it because they told us not to eat eggs, and now we know eggs are fantastic. They told us to cut down our protein consumption and eat more bread. Now we're all fat because we all eat a bunch of bread all the time. (laughs) Just ignore whatever they put out, especially if it's some kind of shenanigans like ignoring dairy. Forget that. Get out there. Get yourself some whole milk like a real person I think, and chug it. I Chug think, it on the hottest day of the year. I think really uh, the only safe thing is that everything should be consumed in moderation. Like, I feel like that is yeah. one of the only things they put out that's like, okay, yeah, that actually makes sense. Yeah. yeah it, that does make sense, except the thing that should not be consumed in moderation is steak. The moderate consumption of steak is a giant steak every day, and I believe mm. we need to go above <laughs> and beyond. I think that's scientifically proven. Absolutely, Madison. I'm glad you're up to speed on the dietary uh, requirements of a modern human. Oh, my goodness. Um, But there is one thing they did say for dairy, which I don't understand why this needs to be in the dairy, like the guidelines or whatever. But they said that they believe that having dairy promoting dairy is considered racist because some what? racial groups have trouble digesting it. But I don't oh know gosh. why that needs to be put 
why that needs to be said because dairy is healthy. It's very good for you. Um, it's racist, so I, though. That's a new one. Wow. Yeah. But I wow. guess it goes with like lactose intolerance. And okay, that was maybe the dumbest yeah. thing I've heard today. Yeah. That was. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think that takes the cake for dumbest Friday story right there. <laughs> Racist, scary. Huh? Well, I've got uh, I've got to bring us back here to less fun news, but still uh, still important for our world. And that is a report from the Labor Department out today showed a slowdown in producer prices. The PPI producer price index was released, and they said that the uh, the total index was up one-tenth of one percent last month after a similar gain in May. For the last 12 months, it rose 1.7 percent, the smallest since 2017. Now, why does this matter? It matters because this continues to show us that we are in a low inflation environment. And that matters because the Federal Reserve looks at inflation rates when it makes its determination for interest rate hikes and or cuts. And Jerome Powell, the head of the U.S. Federal Reserve, came out and said, we don't have any basis for believing that the uh, inflation level is going to get too hot. We're not seeing wages climb, despite records in the stock market this week, multiple times. Um, he thinks we still have room to cut interest rates, and now the expectation is we could see a rate cut after the July FOMEC meeting later on this month. Okay, yes, that's right, which is a bit of a follow-up story to what I shared yesterday, so uh, good digging, that Mike. What's that? I'm sorry, what'd you say? Good digging, follow-up story from yesterday. Oh, I'm always digging, that's kind of mm. what I do, that's how I roll, I'm like a, a terrier. Okay. Digging for the story. Yep, great. Well, one story that we haven't addressed yet on the podcast, and I think we definitely ought to, especially today, is Hurricane Barry, which is a tropical storm, of course, that could hit the shores. Is it a hurricane? I don't know. Is it? Well, I, you called it Hurricane Barry, uh, but then you said it was a tropical storm. Which is it, Delaney Howell? Let's get our facts right. Is there a right. difference? Okay, this is me. This is showing my naiveness, but I really don't know if there's a difference between a hurricane and a tropical storm. I thought they were one and the same. I thought they were the nope. same. I thought a hurricane was considered a tropical storm. Right. A hurricane is a, a storm that forms in the tropics, but a tropical storm, according to meteorologists, is one where the wind strength doesn't yet reach hurricane oh, level. Okay. Mm. Well, then it is a tropical storm at this time with, I guess it sounds like, the potential to turn into a hurricane. However, gotcha. that, that tropical storm, Barry, is anticipated to hit agricultural ports at New Orleans as early as today, which will further back up really the already backed up system that we have going on right now on the Mississippi, trying to get stuff down to those ports, etc., etc. It's expected to stretch across the lower Mississippi River from Baton Rouge to the Gulf, which accounts for about 60% of U.S. soybean exports and 59% of U.S. corn exports in particular, which have already been pretty stagnant as it sits. Yeah, and we just continue to see flooding on the Mississippi mm -hmm. really, really hurting our, our export ability, just getting grains down that great watery highway to uh, Nolens. Yes, so it sounds like uh, we may continue to face more challenging issues with that storm. 
All right. Well, stay tuned. I'm, I, and our hearts, of course, go out to all of those uh, agricultural producers down there in Louisiana and in the Delta that are going to be mm-hmm. impacted by this thing. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, Madison, what other news do you have for us today? Um, well, one other piece of news that I found was states are working to kind of push the FDA to make a dis- decision on it hemp and CBD products. Um, So the National Association of State Departments of Agriculture are really kind of hoping that the FDA will make a decision because they don't want American farmers and ranchers in the United States to miss out on this opportunity, really, because these products have really taken off and um, some consumers are confused about what they are so once the fda makes that kind of definition of which is which you know um then producers can really jump into this market or in this fast-growing market so still something we're keeping an eye on but that's kind of an update all right well we will have to stay tuned and see how things end up progressing as this uh, goes forward yes definitely will All right. Well, Delaney, do you have any other news stories for us? Uh, You know, I just have one quick update here. I thought this was pretty interesting, pretty devastating for, of course, U.S. producers. But it looks like Brazil continues to lock down the Chinese soybean market. And before the trade war, Brazil owned only about 30% of China's soybean demand. But uh, because of this trade war and whatnot, we're seeing now that Brazil is filling about 75% of China's soybean demand, and that is according to the USDA's Foreign Agricultural Service's latest estimates there. So uh, we still see a lot of catching up the U.S. has to do, and it, I guess, just ties back a little bit to yesterday's WASDE report. We didn't see them adjusting soybean exports a, exports a whole lot, so maybe they're holding out hope that we see a trade deal later this year. All right. Well, we will stay tuned, see what ends up coming out of D.C. Is, uh, uh, I don't know. It's just so frustrating to watch these decisions take so long, isn't it, Delaney? That it is. That it is. Well, I just have one other quick piece of update. The EPA announced today that it is going to allow for expanded use of a pesticide, sulfoxalor, sulfoxalor, Sulfoxaflor, excuse mm. me, um, will be permitted on certain crops for the first time, and it will be allowed to be used in other places that were prohibited under the Obama administration. Uh, basically, there was a lot of concern over uh, sulfoxalor back when uh, President Obama was in office. The EPA considered it highly, excuse me, very highly toxic to bees, and uh, a group of beekeepers actually sued to have it delisted by the EPA. Well, the delisting never happened, and as of today, the EPA is increasing usage of that insecticide here in the United States. Yes, I saw that as well. So it looks like a new tool is approved. So good news there. Expanded use. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's good news, I guess, if you're not a beekeeper. Right. I don't know that we have too many beekeepers that listen to the podcast, but... Guess we well, could. we'd love to have them. Share it with your beekeeping friends, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. All right. Well, I think everybody's out of news. Mike, why don't you turn us over into the commodity markets? 
Absolutely. I'm happy to do so. We get to kick off the weekend in a way that should be news to a lot of producers' ears. Our markets are brought to us by our friends at the Zaner Group. On a day like today, it might be worthwhile to consider managing your market risk. You can do that by giving our friends at Zaner a shout. Give us a call at 312-277-0050 or visit us on the web at Zaner, Z-A-N-E-R.com, and tell them you heard it on Ag News Daily. In the corn market, September contract up 10 cents, close at 454 and a quarter. December contract up 11 and a quarter to finish at 459 and a quarter. In the soybean market, the August was up 14 and a quarter cents to close at 913 and a quarter. November up 14 and a quarter. Finished the day at 931 and a half. Uh, we up a little bit. Uh, Definitely the lagger of the day. September wheat up one and a half at five twenty-three even, and the December contract up two and a quarter to close at five thirty-five even. Jumping over to the world of livestock mixed trade in the cattle complex, the August contract was up sixty cents in live cattle at one hundred eight forty-seven fifty. October up sixty-five to close the day at one hundred nine ninety-seven fifty. With strength in the corn market, we did see a pullback in feeder cattle. The August contract was down a dollar oh two and a half at one forty-one sixty, with the September down seventy. Two and a half to close at one forty two fifty five, and in lean hogs, the August contract was up a dollar forty seven fifty, closed at forty sixty five, and the October up a dollar sixty two and a half to close the day at seventy three twenty two and a half. Looking at the dairy market in Class Three milk, the August contract was down sixteen cents at seventeen fifty three, with the September down twenty cents, closed the day at seventeen seventy. Well, that's it for the markets. Delaney, why don't you tell us who we're talking to for the uh, interview today? Well, Madison and I had a great conversation with Whitney Larson, who is a Kansas farmer, farm wife, mom, and also starting her hand at creating her own podcast. Well, for those of you following along on our Instagram, of course, it's at Ag News Daily or at Global Ag Network. You've maybe seen some pictures from Whitney Larson, and she's been she's a farmer, a farm wife, and also a fellow podcaster out there in Sharon Springs, Kansas. Whitney, first of all, welcome to the Ag News Daily Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. So tell us a little bit about your operation and maybe a little bit about the geographic area of where you guys are located because you're pretty far in Western Kansas. Yes, we are. So we are no-till row crop farmers in Sharon Springs. We are about 20 miles from the Colorado border. So you hear Colorado and you just think mountain. Well, (laughs) where we're at, it is completely flat. (laughs) It is flat. There's no trees. It's just all farm ground and pasture where we're at. Okay. So what are you guys, I, I assume wheat, but what other uh, uh, crops or livestock are you guys doing out there in that part of Kansas? Yeah, so we just finished wheat harvest yesterday. Um, we we have wheat, corn, milo, and then we also raised some Trudy Kaley because there is dairy that lives near our ground. And so we raise silage and then Trudy Kaley for them and they just haul it straight into their dairy. Gotcha. Okay. Well, that's quite the variety of crops then in that part. And and usually Western Kentucky, I'm thinking more of like, I guess Colorado, you said you're near the mountains, but I'm thinking it almost is like mm, sandy soil or, or kind of desertous climate. Is that, am I on par there or not quite? 
so our soil is actually really good. We don't, oh. there's not much sand in it. There isn't much sand in it at all. It's a dark dirt. You know, some parts of Kansas have like red dirt or like clay. And we actually have pretty good soil here. Um, we do have to irrigate where we're at because we are super dry. Um, there's no humidity. It's just really warm in the summer. Like we're solid 95 to 100 all summer. And when I know a lot of places are not accepting rain during planting season and stuff. And we do. We actually pre-water our ground before we plant our corn. Pre-water it to make sure what? I, that's very unfamiliar, very foreign <laughs> to me. Yeah, so we, we usually just try to put on an inch. So we run circle pivots and we'll put on an inch of water just to get the, because our ground can get really hard. Mm. If we get a hard rain, it just can be like cement. And so we, we pre-water. Well, what we do first is we strip till. Um, we strip till usually in the fall or the spring. And this year it just landed where there was absolutely no way to strip till in the fall. And so in the spring, we put on fertilizer with our strip till bar. And then um, anhydrous was super high this year. So we didn't put on any ammonia with our strip tiller. So once we strip till it, get the ground, the seed bed ready, then we'll put on an inch of water and then we'll plant in that right after the mud is soaked up just so that we have a good base underneath the, the top soil for that, for our root system of our corn to reach down to when it starts to grow. We're just so dry here that we have no chance of growing much if not. Yeah, yeah, that can make it a little bit more challenging, I suppose, out there. So it's you and your husband on the operation, yeah. or do you have some other family that's involved? Um, no. So Bart, he grew up in a farm family. He actually would have been, like, fourth generation. But when he, he did, like, harvest crews and stuff when he was younger. And then when he wanted to come back and farm, there really wasn't much room for him. He has three older brothers, so having four boys is kind of hard to make room for everyone. Um, his parents also ranch. They run, a, I think, it's like 800 head of black Angus cattle. And then so when we decided to come back, uh, we just kind of had to do it on our own. So we call ourselves first geners because there was really no help from anyone else. We do have two hired men that help us. And then it's just, yeah, me and him. That's awesome. Um, and, you know, you have this great operation, but Whitney, and you also have this great Instagram account and now podcasts. So Whitney, tell us a little bit how you got started with social media and then in turn began podcasting. Okay. So when we first started farming, it was kind of, which was like six or seven years ago, it seemed like women in ag was kind of not really a thing yet. I feel like there was maybe people out there, but nobody really talked about it. And so I started an Instagram account to try and meet other farm wives, other people that were relatable, had the same lifestyle as us, or that were also moms, because being a farm mom is not easy either. Um, so yeah, I created that Instagram account, and I have met so many amazing women that are just super on the farm. They're either super involved on the farm, or do the books, or are delivering meals, but whatever they do is very needed and always appreciated on a farm as I'm sure you guys know. But yeah. So then I met Kylie is the, my co-host of my podcast and we just kind of talked and we, we felt like there was no voice for women in agriculture 
talking about the real stuff, the behind the scenes things of like how lonely it can be or how tough it is to have a husband not home. You don't get to see him until bedtime or sometimes not even that. So we just wanted to create a space where her and I could chat and hopefully have other women listen and feel like they're not so alone out there. Yeah, especially in your part of Kansas, I imagine it's maybe a long ways to the nearest city or maybe you're not having a lot of interaction with other people besides your family. How have people or or farm wives reacted when you've approached them to talk about the idea behind your podcast or even just connecting with you on social media? Do they feel like they're in the same boat as you? Yeah, actually, it's been like unbelievable how many people have reached out even just recently after like seeing me on the grain cart saying that they do the same type of things and that they're just really impressed that a mom will take their kids and we just we really want to implement into our kids that this is our way of life we want them to know how and why we do things and we want them to understand where their food comes from and we just always they're always with us and that so many women can relate to that when they feel so alone where they're at because there's not that type of communication with women in person, I feel like. It's easier for someone to chat on social media than it is in real life. Yeah, it's sad how maybe that's that's really changed, especially from like the millennial generation and younger. But do you ever chat with non-farm wives asking questions about why you do things a certain way or, or just questions about your farming operation in general? Yes, I do. And I, and I actually have some men all messages too, because, you know, there's so many different ways that you can farm and like throughout the United States, it's amazing how different things are. And so I love when people will ask me why we do something and I love to explain it to them so that they get a better idea of why we do what we do. Absolutely. I bet that alone has been, uh, been pretty fun. Whitney, of course, we've got to ask you then for our listeners out there that maybe are farm wives listening or just want to connect with you on social media. What are some of the handles or blogs or anything that you use? Um, so my handle on Instagram is at farmwifeguru. And then Kylie and I's podcast is Midwest Farmwives. And you can find us on Spotify and now Apple Podcasts. Well, that's going to be awesome to watch that journey for sure. Other than podcasting, which we hope takes off well, maybe someday you can be part of Global Ag Network. But besides podcasting, do you have any other dreams or aspirations to connect with people outside of agriculture or even people within agriculture that are in similar you know, farm wife positions as you? Right. Um, yeah, I just hope to be a not really a role model because I don't want to consider myself uppity <laughs> but I would just love that if people just looked at me and thought that they could do more because I'm doing it and I'm a woman in agriculture well that's awesome Whitney we certainly appreciate you tuning into the podcast that's for sure and we're excited to watch you on your podcast journey as well thank you yes I have learned so much knowledge from your guys' <laughs> podcast it's my husband makes fun of me. He's like, so what'd you learn this week? And I just tell him about the trade war and everything that you guys talk about. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We did. We do try to cover a lot of topics. And actually, that's, that's, we better ask you too. You, uh, I listened to your first episode and it's really just an introduction of you and Kylie. But moving forward, what are you hoping to do with your podcast? Um, I really just like to reach as many people as we could and hope that they feel relatable or that they think that they can do something that we're doing and not feel alone in anything in farming.
Absolutely. And will you be interviewing other farm wives or will it be mostly you and Kylie having some friendly banter? Yeah, so we actually talked that we would like to interview maybe one person a month, just pick a farm wife or someone that we would like to learn more about and interview them once Once a month, we're going to try. Once a month. That's a lot better, a lot easier, hopefully, than once a day. Yeah, yeah, I can't <laughs> imagine how much you guys have to go through. Well, we don't have a lot of, uh, we don't have farms that we're trying to manage as well, but uh, Whitney, it's yeah. going to be exciting. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Well, again, a big thank you to Whitney, especially not only for coming on the podcast as a guest, but also sending us your pictures, her pictures for Instagram, which Madison has been doing a fantastic job of posting. Folks, if you have pictures that you think represent your life or farm country or what you're doing in agriculture, please send them to us or Share them with us on Instagram at Ag News Daily. Madison, anything else to add to that or did I cover the bases? I think you got it, Delaney. <laughs> well, you can. Fantastic. Well, with that, ladies, should we let the people go? Let's, let's let them let go. Them go.